the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Seek His presence continually. Notice that it is not a situational seeking. It is a continuous part, a continuous discipline in each and every one of our lives. Not just in certain situations, but a continuous, Continual, continuous development, drive, directing our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, you know, I'm just not, you know, I'm, I, I just, I'm just not a, like a, a passionate person and all of that. Now think about the things that you're passionate for, the thing that you like, okay? You, you know, let's say you're, 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 you know, you're a passionate football fan and all of that. What do you do? You know, you, you, you tend to, to prepare yourself. You know, you tend to seek after that which you like. You know, you, 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 you set your timer so that when you go to church, you won't miss the game. You, you do something to make sure that you, you have a firm grip on that, on that thing that you're most passionate from. I mean, you know, we're able to do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, we need to approach the throne of God from a position of guilt against God's perfect justice. From a position of guilt and God's perfect justice. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Look at verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us not approach the throne of God with a sense of entitlement. You know, that's another wrong way of approaching the presence of God. You know, this, this sense of entitlement, the sense that we deserve something, you know, that's not the right way to approach the throne of God. Instead, we need to approach the throne of God from a standpoint, from a position of guilt. Now, I, I, you know, you, you understand what that means in a, little, in a little bit. We lost all kinds of entitlement when sin entered humanity. And since the day sin entered humanity, mankind have been preoccupied, and this includes you and I, mankind have been preoccupied with the quest of finding its way back to God to regain the thing that we have lost. That has been the preoccupation of the fallen world. Did you know that? Moment Adam and Eve violated God's law and they entered into the, uh, the humanity entered into a to sin from that point on we have been trying to find our way back 
from what we have lost. And what, ha- what, what are some of the things that we have lost because sin entered humanity? We have lost a full, unhindered fellowship with God. That doesn't exist anymore in sinful humanity. We only gain that full fellowship with God when we put our faith in Jesus. That's why it's important. What else have we lost when humanity fell into sin? We lost that perfection in our will, in our behavior, in our attitude. We're no longer perfect people. We don't have perfect behavior and we don't have perfect attitudes. We've lost that. And the only way that those things can be remedied is by being given a new nature that Jesus promises to those who will put their faith in Him. What else have we lost? We've lost a continuous sense of peace and satisfaction in life. I mean, this is a picture of what fallen humanity really is. What else have we lost? We lost the absence of pain, suffering, and death. We've lost that. Now we will suffer. Now we will have pain. Now we will die. Okay? So those are the things that we lost because sin entered humanity. So when Jesus died on the cross, He absolutely completed God's redemptive plan. He has given us two things that that solve that problem of separation we have from God. That problem of being unable to approach the throne of God. He has given us, number one, redemption, a word we all know. Redemption means the forgiveness and payment of our sin. He took care of that on the cross. Oh, I've heard all of that, Pastor. Listen to it again. The second thing that he accomplished is the reconciliation that we now enjoy with God. Redemption is the forgiveness and payment for our sin. Reconciliation is the turning away of God's anger toward us. That's very important to understand. Reconciliation means once we were enemies of God, but now we are God's friend. We are God's family. There's one more thing that is yet to be accomplished by the death of Jesus on the cross, and that is restoration. We have been redeemed. Redemption is done. Reconciliation is done. But restoration, not yet. It's still just a promise. It's a promise that is yet to come. We have not been yet restored to our full glorified state. And that's going to happen, of course, when we get to heaven and when we see Jesus face to face. For now, restoration is still to come. It's still a promise. And it's still something that the Holy Spirit needs to make clear in our lives. It's still something that we're you know, going through. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that one day we will be restored. And that guarantee is the Holy Spirit that one day we will be fully restored. In the meantime, we have been given the privilege to approach the throne of God with the assurance that even though our restoration is not yet a reality, we still go through trials, tribulation, adversities, and problems We know deep inside each and every one of us that eventually Jesus will make all things new. That's a good spot to say amen if you've been forgetting. 
So don't be worried about the things that are going on. The important thing right now is that you're not still looking for your way back to God. The important thing right now is that we've already found it. That we can already approach the presence and power of God unhindered. And even though we're still struggling in the flesh, even though we're still struggling with the things that are going on in this world, we know in our hearts that Jesus says one day all things will be made new. That's a good thing. You know, that gives us great hope. There will be thorns in our life. Amen? How many of you have a thorn in your flesh? No one raises their hand. You're afraid you're going to get contaminated or something? All of us, we have thorns. Believe me, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. You have it. I have it. Because we're not yet been restored. We're not yet been made perfect. Completely glorified. Obviously, we're still here. Obviously, there's still tape between these things because we're still afraid of something. There will be thorns in our life that we will not be able to overcome until the day of our resurrection and our restoration. There will be desires in us that will remain unfulfilled that will not be realized until the final restoration in heaven. There will be heartaches and sorrow that will never be fully destroyed or go away until we are restored. And God will continue to take us through valleys and hills in order to refine our faith. And He'll take us through fires of adversities. But one thing will remain. God will be just. It's not, he's not always fair. I and mean, I know you've heard preachers say that many times. God is not fair, but He's just. He's not fair. We will go through tribulations and adversities, but God's judgment is perfect. We will ask God, why did you let me go through that? And the answer, whatever God's answer is to that question, is the perfect answer. Because God is a perfect judge. He's a God of perfect justice. And so the thing that we need to do is to approach the throne of God's power and presence with a sense of guilt, not a sense of entitlement. It'll make us understand how God really wants us to experience Him. We need to approach His throne with a mindset of humility. Can we say amen to that? That says, I do not deserve anything because I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's the biblical teaching. Humility is another way of saying, I'm approaching the presence of God with a, not a sense of entitlement, but a sense of guilt. That, that guilt has been removed now by the power of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. Humility means you and I do not put a degree to our guilt. Let me say that again. Humility means we don't say that we are less guilty than the other person. Okay? All of us have fallen into sin, have been separated from God. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Make no mistake by comparing your guilt to another person's guilt. Okay? I hear a lot of people say this to me many times. Oh, pastor, I may have made some mistakes in my life. 
I may have committed some sin in my life, but compared to what this guy has done, I'm doing pretty good. Haven't we said that to ourselves at some point? I, I know I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, God cannot possibly punish me the same way he's going to punish Ben. I know a whole lot about Ben. And as far as sin comparison, I'm the pastor here. You know, he's lower. I'm, I'm, I'm higher than him in terms of, you know, credits that I can get because my guilt is far less than his guilt. We do that. But loved ones, that's not the way to approach the throne of God's power and presence. Not at all. You know what? You can be on 10 feet of water or 10,000 feet of water, but if you can't swim, you'll drown. That's a fact. How is that relevant? It doesn't matter how shallow <laughs> your guilt is. You need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. None of us can swim out of our sinfulness. We have to receive redemption and reconciliation. That's what the Scripture teaches. We need it. We need a Savior. Jesus was not just a hero, a martyr, a nice guy, a good teacher who died on the cross. He died on the cross to take us from death to life, from darkness to light. And when we approach Him, we approach Him with complete humility, saying, I don't count my sin as less or lighter than the other person. Without a sense of guilt, we will not appreciate God's sense of justice. Sometimes we treat people who made mistakes in their lives as if they are beyond restoration. Don't have an attitude like that. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a haughty spirit. That's a spirit of pride. Everyone who will go to the Lord and pleads guilty will be forgiven and will be redeemed. We will receive it. God doesn't turn away a heart who has humbled itself and says, I need you to save me. God forgives our sin. But let us be humble enough to receive God's sense of justice. And what do I mean by that? If you and I truly humble ourselves and plead guilty, God's sense of justice will be fully realized in us. We'll not feel bitter if we experience the consequences of our sin. Amen? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And yet when he has sinned against God, God forgave him. God loved him. God restored him even, but not completely to the, to the same way that he was. He suffered the consequences of his sin. And he was humble enough to accept even those consequences. God as a judge is not a bad thing because Jesus can empathize with us. He did not sin, but he suffered. So through him, we can find real rest. Look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18. I think I put it in your outline. It says, Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. I want you to underline that. The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore He waits on high to have compassion on you. What's He waiting for? What's He longing for? Here it is. For the Lord is a God of justice. 
How blessed are all those who long for him. God wants us to come clean. God wants us to say, hey God, without you, I'll be lost. And the Bible says that God loves that. God longs to show you grace. God longs to show you mercy. God longs to show you compassion. In fact, the word says he waits so that you can receive compassion from him. What is he waiting for? A sense of contrition. A sense that says, I'm guilty, O God. And I want your salvation. David prayed this prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew the right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. But renew the right spirit within me. I've been a pastor long enough and I have conducted many funerals. And the thing that breaks my heart the most is to see people and just assume that the person that has passed away is now in the presence of God enjoying heaven. Listen very carefully, loved ones. You and I need to approach the throne of God with a sense of remorse, repentance, and guilt so that we can receive compassion, grace, and mercy. Never assume that God simply takes you to heaven when you die. You got to come to faith in Jesus. And once you do, you, need, you and I need to have a firm grip on that faith that we profess. And secondly, as we have learned, we need to approach the throne of God's power and presence with a sense of guilt so that we can receive perfect justice. Lastly, we approach the throne of God with power gained through the purity of His judgment. It's not only, a, it's not only is His justice perfect, but His judgments are pure. And that's where we gain courage and confidence. That's how we gain power to approach His throne. Look at the final verse in verse 16 this morning. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with courage confidence so that we may what receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need loved ones god is a judge a merciful and gracious judge but a judge nonetheless we can approach him with boldness and confidence because his judgments are always pure and holy he gives us the help we need in our time of need. His judgment leads to joy because it is based on His mercy. Did you know, loved ones, that joy in life, gladness in life, comes from God's grace? And did you know that the grace that is bestowed upon us by God, He bestows it to us as a judge? This is... Think about it for a minute, okay? Uh, God loves us as our Heavenly Father. There's no doubt about that. Jesus loves us as our brother. He said so himself. When we 
approach the throne of God as a loving father, we can approach it with boldness so we can receive peace, joy, kindness, gladness, blessings, and favor. We do not need to be bold because we know that our God is a loving father. But listen very carefully. But when we approach the throne of God asking for grace, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion, he gives it to us as a judge. I know you're saying to yourself, how could you make that separation? I am not. God never ceases to be a loving father. But it makes a difference how we approach God's throne. Okay? If I have a clean bill of health, if I am in good standing with God, I don't need boldness. If my father, my earthly father and I are in good terms and we are, you know, not, we don't have any issues with each other, I don't need to be bold to come to my father and say, hey, dad, bless me. Hey, dad, be kind to me. You know, dad, you know, I need some joy or I need this, I need that. I don't need boldness because I know he's a loving father. But what if my situation with God is different? What if I have an issue? What if I don't have a clean bill of health? What if I've sinned against God? Do I still approach Him as a loving Father? He doesn't change. He's still a loving Father, but it makes a difference how we approach Him. At that moment, we need to approach Him as a judge. Now think about that for a moment. Hold on to those tomatoes. Don't throw them at me yet. I need to explain this. When we come to God's presence and power, boldness means we need to approach God as a judge. Doesn't mean He doesn't love us as a father, but we simply changing our approach when we approach god asking for mercy forgiveness and compassion don't assume that just because he's a loving father that everything is fine no we need to have a change of attitude we need to have a change of approach we need to approach him as a judge how do i know that the parable of the prodigal son the prodigal son the son squandered his father's love I mean, you know, I mean, if you know the story, right? You're familiar with the story. Father, give me my inheritance. He left. He squandered his inheritance and he found himself in a, in a pit, in a mud, feeding pigs. And all of a sudden, he realized what he has done. And he said, my, my, father ha, uh, my father's servants have more blessings and benefits than me. Here, I'm wallowing in dirt, in poverty. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going back to my father. But this time, his approach is different. He wasn't about to approach his father as his loving heavenly father. Read the parable. You know what the parable says? I'm, the, the, the prodigal son said, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, I don't deserve to be numbered <laughs> among your, even your servant. Just give me room as, as one of your servants and I'll take what's coming to me. Of course, the father in the story didn't change. He hugged him and kissed him and says, you never cease to be my child, blah, 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 and all of that stuff. The point is, the approach was different. There was a sense of humility because he realized that although his father has not changed, that his father was loving, he needed to have the humility to approach him as a judge. And you know what? Why he was confident and why he was bold that he could go back to his father and he would get the right thing because he trusted that his father's judgment will be pure. And the same thing with us. The same thing with all of us. There's a way to approach the throne of God 
God doesn't change. He has loved us with an everlasting love, but it makes a difference how we approach His presence, His power. We must be ready to receive. We must be bold enough to understand that God's judgments are pure and holy. God is not interested in condemning people who come to Him. He's interested in showing grace and mercy. Grace, when we come to Him with, contri with a contrite heart, repentant, repentant heart, don't just approach God with a personal need, but a need for fellowship with Him. All of us have one main desire from God, and that is for God to meet our physical needs and our spiritual needs. God promises to provide us with both. Psalm 5:11 says, "But let us, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt you." Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.